right. My goal is simple tonight, and uh, I will be brief. That's goal number one. Goal number two is to lay the weighted blanket of Christ's sacrifice warmly on all of us. I have wrestled um, most of my adult life with the idea of calling Good Friday good. And as a younger guy, I would skip over the weight of Christ's sacrifice with an eye towards Sunday, right? We want to get past the darkness in order to get to the light. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that we're missing so much of the beauty of what Christ has accomplished by not leaning in and dwelling on his painful, excruciating death. And so tonight, what I want to do is dwell. I want to dwell well, and I want to release us into silence. Saturday was a day of silence, and I want us to gather back on Sunday And we're going to release that silence. We're going to release that death and breathe in new life. As Jesus was on the cross and facing his death, we talked about it on Sunday. The Romans were experts in pain. They were experts in death and wreaking as much havoc as they could. They had perfected the crucifixion to be the most painful way to die. And the reason that is important for us is it couldn't be any other death to make what was broken in the garden made new. It had to be a perfect death, and it had to be a terrible death. It needed to be a final body broken and a final blood spilled. There could never be another. It had to be complete. There, the people who had gathered around him shouted the question, are you the Christ? We've read it from Luke. I would encourage you over the next 48 hours to lean into each gospel account from the Lord's Supper to his death. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are you the Christ? And right before they lay his arms out, he says, I am. I am. And just like in Exodus, what do we call you? We call you I am. This is who God is. And with the statement of Jesus, he forevermore claims to be the Messiah, the long-awaited promised one. And if he is the Messiah, it is right for him to die. It was the perfect will of the Father. There are a few Old Testament passages that point to the coming of Christ, but there is none more clear in the anticipation and the texture of who Jesus is in his death than Isaiah 53. And that's where I want us to dwell. I'm going to start in verse 2 and just listen along to the words. Isaiah 53, For he grew up before him like a young plant, And like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised. He was rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but, verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was laid the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, everyone, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, verse 7, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. Verse 9, And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offering. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Verse 12, therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of me and he bore the sin of you. He bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. So why is Good Friday good? Good Friday is good because it is the last death. My body will one day stop working. I've seen it. I've seen it from a five-day-old, and I've seen it from a 95-year-old. My body will give out. My heart will stop pumping. My brain will stop firing. It might have already started. One day, my life will come to an end, but that is not my death, because there was a death that came before me that was a good and righteous and horrible death, but it was my death that was died by someone else so that I could get a life that I did not deserve. That is what Christ has done. I love the gospel of Mark. This is, I echo back to what we've read from Luke. This is from Mark 15. You don't have to go there, but Mark is echoing back from Psalm 22. He says, and when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me. And immediately after that, the centurion cries out, truly, this man was the son 
of God. His body was not yet cold. If he truly is the Son of God, then he has truly come to save us. His death invites us into a better death. We're going to celebrate this in a couple of days, but it's the death of addiction. It's the death of pain. It's the death of tears. That's what Revelation promises, that one day he's going to come and wipe away every tear. It's the death of division and pride. It's the death of the enemy. It is the death of death its very self. And that is why we are here. As Jesus hung on the cross with real, rusty, sharp, dull nails, pierced through his hands and through his feet, there are three cries that he makes. The first is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The second is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the third one has an exclamation point. It is, it's finished. It's over. It's done. It is finished. We're going to take communion tonight where we take the broken body of our Savior, the one who took all of our stuff, and we're going to dip it into the cup that represents his blood. And as we do that, I want us to read the Apostles' Creed, just to press in, to lean in, to dwell on, to dwell in the richness and the beauty of what he has done and who he is. When we're finished, we're going to sing a couple of songs. We're going to quietly dismiss. There's going to be a thing that pops up on the screen. If you have kids, it is as quiet as it gets, right? We don't have to break down. We just leave. And tomorrow, what I've come to love as Silent Saturday, when Jesus rested, he had all of our stuff. And we're going to come together Sunday, and we're going to celebrate like we celebrate every week, but we're going to celebrate just a little bit differently on Sunday. So here's what I want us to do. Let's stand. I will lead us through the Apostles' Creed. It's going to be on the screen. You can read it along, or you can read it quietly. And then would you come to the table? And whatever it is that's under that blanket of Christ's death, would you just tuck it under there? Just leave it? And understand that he came to bring you back, the great rescuer, the great redeemer. This is the Apostles' Creed. Let's sing it. Let's, well, we don't have to sing it. Let's read it together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and a life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in your sovereignty, in your grace, 
you have sent your Son to save us. In your saving of your children, you offered up a great sacrifice, a sacrifice of great cost. And as Jesus breathed his last and they rushed to bury him before the Sabbath began, he cried out, it is finished. And in that moment, the gates of the garden were opened back. So Father, I pray that over the next day, as we long and lean into Sunday, would you let the weight of your glory, the weight of Christ's glory, dwell in us richly. As we come to the table to take the body, to take the blood, would you echo through eternity the praises that are due only for you. We love you. We pray in Jesus' beautiful, 